Good morning, Knox Church. It is good to be with everyone this morning. For the past three weeks, I've been on your side of the screen. Today, I'm coming to you from the other side of the screen, and it is a delight to be with you. Wherever you are, if even if you're not a member of Knox, we want to welcome you here this morning. We're glad to be knit together via Wi-Fi and internet, but mostly by the Holy Spirit together in a community of faith. Um, quick apology for the technical glitch that we had on that Palm uh, Sunday video. Um, it was a beautiful thing that was prepared. Not sure what happened. Um, but I can guarantee you I'm probably going to make more glitches on my end than that video did. So prepare for it. We have come to the end of another unprecedented week in this COVID-19 pandemic. It has been a week of anxiety, of news that seems to get worse every day. And yet, right now, we are entering another week. And this is a week that is so central for Christians. It is Holy Week. And what I want to encourage you this week, in as much as you are able, can you limit your news consumption? Can you limit your consumption of social media and all the other things that are happening? And can you instead focus your heart, your attention, as deeply as you can to the story of the passion of Jesus Christ? And as you do that, bring with it all of the anxiety you're feeling, all of the fear, all of the sense of disruption and isolation. Carry that with you as we travel with Jesus through this week and bring it to the cross And as we do that, let's keep alert for resurrection. But it all begins on this Palm Sunday with Jesus, what's called the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This story that we heard read and this passage, it reveals so much beautiful truth about who Jesus is. Jesus, in a very intentional, deliberate way, is revealing himself as king. And it is. It it is one of the most orchestrated events of Jesus' ministry. Every detail is well-planned, executed, intentional, deliberate. Jesus makes arrangements with someone to have a young colt ready and available for him. He sends his disciples to go get this colt. His disciples bring it back. And Jesus rides that donkey on a road into Jerusalem with great deliberateness. Now, what's going on here? Now, a donkey, a donkey was a royal animal. It was an animal that a king would ride. So a king would ride either a horse or a donkey. If he was riding a horse, you knew there's war happening. He's going out to war. He's coming back from war. If he's riding a donkey, he's coming in peace to establish his peace. It's a symbol of his peaceful reign. And so here is Jesus riding a donkey, riding into peace, riding as a king. It is a deliberate, it is a very public declaration. He is claiming to be king, the true, the real, the authoritative king. Now, part of the intentionality of what Jesus is doing here is he's also deliberately fulfilling a variety of different Old Testament promises. We're just going to look at one this morning, and I want to turn your attention to Genesis 29. In Genesis Uh, Genesis 49, in that passage, Jacob, who's the father of Israel, he's gathering his sons before he dies, and he's going to bless them. And the blessing he gives to Judah is fascinating. Now remember, Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is called the Lion of Judah. And what is this blessing that is given to Judah? It says, the scepter will not depart 
from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tie his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. Now on Palm Sunday, on this narrative we read, you might notice that Jesus mentions untie the donkey several times. He's untying that donkey because his time has come. The time for that prophetic blessing has come to be fulfilled. The true king to whom the scepter belongs has come. The true king to whom the obedience of the nation belongs is here. It is Jesus Christ. And so at the beginning of this Holy Week and in the middle of this COVID pandemic, friends, I want to declare to you the beautiful truth of this. The one true king, the one you have been waiting for, the one we have been longing for is here. He is Jesus the king of peace, the one to whom all of our obedience belongs. Which is another way of saying, friends, it's time to give up going your own way. The true king has come, the one whose ways bring flourishing and life for all people. And it's time then to give up going our own way, to doing whatever we please, It's time to yield our lives to the King. During this Lenten season, we have been dwelling in this prophetic passage from Isaiah 58. And in Isaiah 58, Isaiah is calling the people of God back to God. The people had gotten caught up with all sorts of things that God didn't intentionally command. Variety of religious observances, ashes, sackcloth. But they neglected what God specifically had commanded, which was the Feast of the Sabbath. It's interesting, in this whole context of a fast, what's a right fast, it culminates in Isaiah saying, here you need to observe the Sabbath, which is a feast day. It was a day of rest, a day of joy, a day of delight, a day of communion with God. It was a symbol, a picture of how life was always meant to be lived. You remember in the creation story in Genesis, six days of creation, and then you get the seventh, the Sabbath day. On it, God rested, and it's a picture, it's a symbol of all the harmony, all the shalom, the, the flourishing of creation coming together and life, all of life, all people living in communion with God. And so that practice of Sabbath was a picture of how all of our lives are meant to be aligned with the way of God. And so the, the previous things that Isaiah calls us to, to share your food, to care for the poor, to, to stand for the oppressed, to fight injustice, those are part of this Sabbath living because you would be extending as well as experiencing the shalom, the well-being of God, not just for yourself, but for all people. And it's meant to be personal, this shalom, this peace of God. It's meant to be social and public as well. And so Isaiah then concludes, he says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, from doing as you please, if you honor it, not going your own way, not doing as you please, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I think here we're at the hardest part of Isaiah's prophecy. Probably the most challenging thing for us to give up in Lent, to give up at any time, and that is giving up going your own way. 
giving up doing as you please, giving up control of our lives, yielding our lives fully, completely in faith and obedience to the king. I think it's so hard because it is probably the the single most thing our culture, our society grooms us and schools us for. The autonomous self is, is like the highest priority our society values. No one tells you what to do, right? That's what we're told. You are the master of your life. You are your own sovereign. The prime directive of our culture probably summarized this. You do you. But Isaiah's prophetic smackdown runs right up against that. Keep from doing what you do. Keep from going your own way. Yield your life to the king in faith, in obedience. And yet very often we struggle with that because I think we somehow misconstrue a life of obedience to be something that chafes that feels like it's running against the rain, running against the grain. It's hard. It's difficult to do. But Isaiah says, no, 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 you misunderstand it. It is actually Sabbath. It is a joy. It is a delight. It is actually what you are meant for. And every time we pursue and live out the ways of God, it is a means of grace for us to not only experience the fullness of God, but to extend it to others. And so on Palm Sunday... Jesus comes proclaiming, I am that king of the Sabbath. I am the king you have been longing for, the one who brings peace, the shalom of Sabbath, flourishing to all people. And under the reign and rule of Jesus, all of life flourishes. It it becomes exactly what God intended life to be. And you see a couple of pictures of that here in the text, in the Palm Sunday text. Jesus, he rides a colt that has never been ridden. Now, why? Well, think about it. What happens if you were to jump on the back of a horse, a colt that's never been ridden? What's going to happen is you're going to find yourself on the ground really quickly because that colt is going to buck you off. It's going to try to throw you off because that horse has not been broken. And before someone rides it, that horse needs to be broken. But Jesus not only rides this young colt, but he rides it right through this clamoring crowd. Now you think, how is this happening? This, this young, never-ridden cult, it remains calm under the reins of the king of all creation, under the hands of the one who stilled the storm. This young cult is absolutely fearless in the face of a shouting, clamorous crowd because Jesus is in the saddle. When Christ comes to rule our lives, that rule doesn't break us. It heals us. It restores us to the dignity, to the worth that God created us to live out of. It frees you to become fully what God meant for you to be. There's another picture in this passage uh, that points to this very reality. A little bit later on, as this crowd is cheering Jesus on and saying, Blessed is the King, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, could you tell your disciples to chill out? Would you rebuke them? They're getting out of hand here. And Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the very stones will cry out. And you hear that and you think, Yeah, Jesus is using, you know, poetic license or something like that. A little exaggeration. You know, singing stones, really? But wait. Throughout Scripture, you see this reality of creation coming alive 
in a profound way under the reign of God. Think of Isaiah chapter 55, where it says this, Then the mountains and the hills will burst into song, singing mountains and hills, and all of the trees of the field will clap their hands. And then in Psalm 96, Then the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to rule the earth. It's under the rule and reign of God that creation comes alive. The biblical understanding of sin and salvation is that it is cosmic. And so when humanity turned from their king, when they chose to go their own way, everything was affected, everything unraveled spiritually, psychologically, sociologically, physically. Everything broke down. But then when the king comes, the true king, under the ruling power of Jesus, all creation comes alive in the most profoundest sense, and creation fully becomes all it was created to do. And these passages, what these passages are saying is that creation gets what's going on. Creation knows us. The very rocks would acknowledge and acclaim their coming king in Jesus. All creation acclaims its king. And all creation groans when we reject the way of the true king, when we go our own way. I don't know about you, but today I hear creation groaning. In this COVID-19 pandemic, creation is recognizing that the way of this world is not the way it's supposed to be. What we're experiencing now is is creation groaning for the rightful king to come again and assert his rightful rule to heal the planet, to bring peace, this this flourishing and well-being to all. And I guess I just have to ask, do you know this king? It's Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, who lived on this earth, who now lives and reigns as the rightful king of the universe. He is the king, friends. And if this is what we're convinced of, is if this is true, if this Jesus Christ is king of all things, friends, i got to urge you, can we get a whole lot bolder with our prayers during this coronavirus crisis? Because I'm glad, you know, we're praying for courage and strength. We're praying for help for health care workers, for healing of those with COVID-19. But Jesus Christ is king of heaven and earth. And what the world needs right now is for the sons and daughters of the king to rise up and show up with the boldest prayers. Which is pretty much all we can do right now, right? In isolation, we're stuck. We feel helpless. You can do a lot. You are a son and daughter of the king, and you can offer these bold prayers. So talk to your friend, your savior, the king of creation, who right now holds all things in the palm of his hand, who the creation exists moment by moment because of Jesus. Would you talk to that king and call for an end to the spread of this pandemic? Pray to the king of creation to just put a full stop to that right now. And then there's this beautiful surprise in this passage. Remember, the whole thing feels like an orchestrated event, a well-engineered, deliberate proclamation, until something unexpected happens. As Jesus rides to the top of Mount Olives, he sees Jerusalem. 
this past February, Betty and I were in Jerusalem, and we rode this road, road right up to Jerusalem, and you don't see anything. It's all uphill until you crest at the top of the hill, and there's the Valley of Kidron before you, and all of a sudden, the whole of Jerusalem appears before you. It's a stunning sight. And this is what Jesus saw. And then something unplanned happens. Jesus weeps. And, and, and it's not just, you know, tears leaking out of his eyes. The, the word here Luke uses is a really strong word. He sobs. Jesus is gutted as he sees Jerusalem. Why? What's going on here? Jesus weeps because he knows that the cries, blessed is the king that he's hearing right now, are going to quickly turn to we have no king but Caesar. Jesus weeps because he knows that this city is going to reject him, the king of peace, because he knows Jerusalem is going to go its own way. If only you had known what makes for peace, Jesus says. Can you hear the utter heartbreak going on right there? If only they would have opened the gates of the city and welcomed their true king. He could bring life and shalom, wholeness and healing. He weeps because the city is just going to go its own way. And so it will miss out on the very thing that they need and long for. Jesus weeps for a world that continues to choose to ignore the moment of God's visitation. When the very thing that people long for is right in front of them and they reject it. During this coronavirus, I've heard varieties of this question. Where is God in all this? Maybe you've asked that too. Well, I got to tell you, he's at the same place he was when Jesus entered Jerusalem. Jesus, God is weeping. Through plague and pestilence and pandemic, God is with us weeping over a groaning creation, weeping over a world that rejects his rule and continues to go its own way. Remember what Jesus once said, entering Jerusalem? He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you together as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you will not have it. This is God's heart. He longs to gather all of creation under the healing reign of himself. But we continue to go our own way. King Jesus comes. And he comes, his visitation brings either blessing or judgment. If Jerusalem will not receive Jesus as their king, she will have him as their judge. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? But there's not a sense of any sort of petulant vindictiveness of Jesus in this. You know, Jesus is not saying, serves you right, Jerusalem. You're getting what's yours. Now Jesus weeps. He's utterly gutted because he knows that because they reject him, suffering will come. He knows the suffering that comes from life under someone else's reign and rule. These are tears of a broken-hearted love, knowing that suffering will come like it always comes when we reject King Jesus and go our own way. You know, as long as any person, any city, any nation, any culture chooses to close its doors to Jesus, they keep closing the door to his life to his shalom. As long as any person, any city, any nation, any culture chooses to go their own way, they're rejecting life. 
They're rejecting flourishing. They're, they're choosing destruction. And so at the beginning of Holy Week, in this time of global groaning, do we realize the moment of God's visitation here? Do we recognize God's weeping cry for this world? And then the question becomes, will we give up going our own way? Will we open our lives to the way, to the reign and rule of Jesus the King? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.